It's the ABC's High School Teachers Really Need to Know, episode number 11, Know That Content Matters. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe, or buy the books on Amazon.com. Hope you're doing well on this uh, glorious day. Um, I hope that you are enjoying, no matter where you're listening from or what time of day, that it is a wonderful day and that you are um, rejuvenating and getting all the rest that you need to uh, continue to navigate a busy world that seems to always have obstacles and challenges for us. Uh, For me, I'm continuing to get ready for the coming school year uh, as I also try to uh, take the all-important time uh, necessary to be with you uh, as we learn and grow together. And I say that to say this, um, I know that today's episode is going to upset some of you. Uh, I, I don't mean it that way. I just know that this particular episode contains some um, some some ideas that it's gonna be it's gonna frustrate some of you. Not because you disagree per se, but it's just the um, the way the system seems to work in our country, and and so. Today's episode is all about content and knowing that it matters. You know, I've spent a lot of time uh, talking about instructional strategies and, and and certainly the importance of relationships. That is absolutely crucial to everything that we are attempting to do uh, as teachers, and it's important to teach anything. And you know that, I know that. Um, but in this episode, I want to bring it back to content because I, I just 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 to say it as clear as I possibly can, uh, hugs and people skills alone, uh, they're not going to get space shuttles to the moon. They're not going to help develop cures for uh, debilitating diseases you know, that we face. My point is, is that soft skills and relationships are uh, very, very important. They're the underlying foundation for anything that we achieve in the classroom. But understand that ultimately, uh, and we have to leverage those things and use those things in order to develop great learners and capable students. And so, again, here in this episode, it is all about knowing that content matters. Um, and, you know, have, have you ever heard someone say something like, because I, I know I have heard this a thousand times, but uh, particularly in the interview process with uh, new teachers or just um, in, in the hallways talking with teachers about new teachers, um, I've heard I know she knows her stuff, but can she teach it? And I hear it so often. And honestly, the answer to that kind of question is so important, and it's an important filter, as I said, in evaluating a teacher's potential effectiveness because you can know a lot of stuff if you can't deliver it and build those relationships, which we know are crucial. Um, a teacher is not going to be effective. Still, it is not the only filter. I would love to hear more people ask their question in reverse, the complete opposite. Um, and, and that is, I know she can um, be a good teacher, but does she know her stuff? In other words, I would love to see us filter more teachers based on their content proficiency. In short, we seem to, honestly, in, in our system, place less than a premium value on expertise and actual content. And if anything, I usually see content proficiency uh, as one of you know countless other factors on a teacher performance review or observations uh, ongoing through a teacher's um, you know academic journey. 
you know, on observations. I, I see content proficiency as just one of many. But you have to ask yourself, though, shouldn't this be one of the primary things uh, that we assess? Um, skills in the use of pedagogies and strategies, you know, the quote-unquote teaching ability, absolutely crucial. But knowing how to teach isn't enough, and it's time that we face that fact. It's not enough just to be able to be proficient in the ability to quote-unquote teach. You have to know what to teach um, and, and, and recognize that it is equally important. And we just really don't. We really don't. And, and honestly, it's the students that are paying the price. And for the just the sake of full disclosure, it's necessary, necessary for me to say that I, I really do believe uh, it's, it's crucial that we draw more content professionals into our field, uh, especially in secondary education. And, and I honestly think that that's the best way to achieve maximum mastery is to have masters teach it. And, and I'm not saying that we need to go back to the medieval guild and apprenticeships. I'm just arguing that there has to be more of a medium. Uh, more of that happy medium. We've kind of moved too far in the other direction where we're looking for um, just that teaching ability that I referenced. Uh, and, and, and I'm glad that, um, you know, that's important. And it, and it is. It's absolutely crucial. But we seem to focus more on delivery and strategies than what we are actually teaching. And, and so we have to really ask ourselves, you know, what exactly are these fantastic teachers delivering? Uh, if they don't know their content. And and so many of our, our teachers today just simply don't know enough of their own content. And and again, saying it a second time, students are the ones that suffer. And, and again, as I said in a few minutes ago when I started the episode, I know that this is going to make some of you mad. Um, but let me make you feel a little bit better. First, you know, I, I 100% believe that teaching is a profession that absolutely requires uh, specific training, extensive talent, and, and just absolute ability and expertise to do it well. And those that choose to teach have to be trained and have a growth mindset to succeed regardless of how much content they know. Again, it's that that's that teaching ability. And yeah, I, I realize that there are countless systemic problems. That's a whole podcast episode and series on its own that these the, the systematic problems prevent content professionals um, from entering the field of education, such as the incredibly low pay. You know, I've experienced, I was a working microbiologist for nearly a decade before entering K-12 education. And, and I made that jump because I really wanted to make a difference in the lives of young students. I, I felt that, that calling, that passion, and I, and I don't regret it for a second. Um, so, so I get that. There, there are systemic uh, barriers to having content professionals in the field. Um, and, and look, if I'm being completely honest, though, there, there weren't many other draws to the profession besides that desire to want to make a difference into the um, uh, into the lives of young people. Look, uh, beyond that, there just wasn't much. Certainly the pay, um, and, and I swear to you, my accountant thought I was crazy um, because he, you know, he knew I was going to struggle as I changed directions uh, compared to where I was, leaving the, the science field where I'm working in science specifically as a trained microbiologist. He knew, uh, and, and, and it has been tough. But again, I don't regret it because I love what I do and I love who I work with and I just love our challenge each and every day. So my point is that I know that the system doesn't pay or attract content professionals in large enough numbers to really move the needle. 
And so my challenge in this episode is not to whine about that, but it's to say, well, all right, well, if we're not going to draw other content professionals in large numbers to our field, then we ourselves have to become content professionals and move that needle to the best of our ability. And so that's really uh, what my charge to you in this episode is. But the question is, is then how do you bridge that gap? And I guess the short answer is you have to make content growth and continuing education a major priority. And again, those things tend to, particularly continuing ed, they get on some list of things we'll do when we're not as busy. And very few of us make it a uh, priority. But again, if you truly believe that being a fantastic teacher and being an effective teacher requires you to know content, how can this just be a uh, another line item on your to-do list? It has to become super important. Um, so you need to work to attend conferences or set aside dedicated time in your week to collaborate or to study. You know, you have to stay curious and and, 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 and fall back in love in, in, in your content area, in your subject. And, and that's really important. You have to love it. You can't just like it. You have to love it. And then you have to stay current. So you have to be up to date in your content area. And you must make the time or you're not going to be an effective educator. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Again, and, and this is particularly true in secondary education. How, how are you supposed to teach you know, cell walls or, um, you know, the the impact of the Industrial Revolution if, if you don't truly take the time to be a scholar about it and you don't have that passion for it. So you need to find it. And, 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 and if you're kind of lacking in that area or, you know, it's continuing education and passion is just another line item list, then it's time to change. And this is this is the time to hit that button from this point on. You're going to change because, again, we can't, if we can't draw other content professionals into our field uh, because of the realities of the situation, uh, then, then so be it. You know, I've said a hundred times we can't worry about what's out of our control. We can only work to change things one student, one classroom at a time. And so that's what I focus on. So my challenge again to you is, is to become that content professional. Train yourself with every opportunity uh, with the resources that are available. Uh, let me give you some idea of kind of how I do, you know, the, the, the continuing ed. You know, I have a plan. And, and, and I stick with this, and, and this is how I stay current in my field, stay passionate in my field, and stay knowledgeable about the skills and uh, other content areas that I, I need to make sure that I, I can apply. Um, and, and so I want to share with you my plan to do just that. So I kind of take it as a weekly, monthly, and then yearly plan. So, for example, every week I'm going to explore some resource on the content that I'm going to be teaching over the next uh, unit. Uh, so that week, I'll, I'll read an article or watch a video on YouTube or something that's going to enrich my own knowledge. Just And it and, and doesn't matter if I have taught this unit a thousand times, I'm still going to reach out and do that. Again, it's about getting new information, finding new applications and new ways to say things that might be a little more effective and align with better instructional strategies, pedagogies, and so forth. So that's every week, every month. I have at least one collaborative meeting, either in person or over the phone or virtually with other uh, professionals in my in my subject area uh, or other teachers. These meetings are absolutely 
uh, going to happen every month. Um, sometimes it's with universities that our students often matriculate to. Uh, it may be with academic or professional organization leaders uh, or, or just simply teachers from other schools. So again, my goal is to make sure that I'm networking uh, on content so that I am improving myself, spreading uh, you know, my, my expertise, but also gaining expertise. Uh, and so it's all about collaboration. So again, every week um, I'm, I'm watching a video or reading an article, uh, getting better. Every month I'm, I'm having at least one conversation with a colleague or somebody that I can learn from. Uh, and then every year I attend or will present at at least one professional conference. Um, also, just to be honest with you, uh, and, I, and I've said this to you before, no matter how good a I, I may think that a unit is, the, as far as one that I've already developed and utilized, um, I renovate at least one unit every single year completely. And 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 not because again it's it's ineffective or whatnot. I think that's important for staying fresh, not only for students but also for me. But also it challenges me uh, to, uh, to, to, to essentially continue to grow. And so I am always, because it, it's, it's, and honestly I had this conversation uh, just a couple of days ago with an, with an administrator. We were talking about how to uh, build ownership into a classroom. And we were talking about the, the difficulty for teachers is that, you know, a lot of times teachers can feel like they're not doing their job or um, they're inefficient or whatever you want to say whenever a new strategy or a, uh, you know, a new approach or a new initiative uh, is being pushed onto teachers, how it can often feel overwhelming for a teacher. And, and, I, and I said, well, you know, my challenge to myself and to all teachers is is when you see these initiatives or when you see these points of emphasis like in this case student ownership instead of just blowing up the entire classroom or feeling like you have to do that as a teacher instead take one lesson one assignment one unit at a time and 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 renovate it and then over time if it works then continue to add more and if it doesn't work make changes and adapt and and instead i think that's a lot better than taking a fire hose and just saying hey drink from it I really am in the business of telling teachers and myself that I'm just going to calm down and renovate slowly but surely um, because, again, I have expertise and the things that I've, I've been doing seem to have, have worked to at least some degree. They're not completely unsuccessful. So I don't want to just remove the elements of me and what I've developed because, again, it's a process. So, so again, don't feel like by me challenging to say, well, all right, well, you've got to get better and better and better and you've got to renovate as, well, I need to start from scratch and completely do everything over again. That's, that's not what I'm saying. And so, again, this weekly, monthly, yearly strategy has something that um, is something that has worked for me, and also it keeps me hungry. And it's built an incredible network, honestly, of resources. You know, you talk about uh, teachers pay teachers and all these other things that we utilize. Well, this is this has generated an incredible network for not only resources for students, but also support that all teachers need. I've needed it, you know, constantly uh, throughout my teaching teaching journey you know as I have a bad day or something doesn't go go right I can call teachers up that are 10 states away uh, and and you know amazingly they've had similar experiences or something like that and they're able to relate so again I, I would encourage you to build a plan and stick with it and speaking of staying current 
I've been in classrooms where I've literally experienced teachers teach things that were outdated. Um, they're just old news or incorrect news at this point due to new scientific discoveries. And uh, again, that just goes back to saying if you don't have a plan to stay current, um, you're going to develop a significant problem. And not only is it because of the potential consequences of teaching inaccurate information, uh, but it also makes the classroom less relevant to students. And, and you know how important connecting things to the real world is in, in the education process, particularly with teenagers. So, uh, again, it, you got to stay current. And teaching old information just isn't going to help them or you, for that matter. So you got to stay current. And so, as I'm saying stay current, there's probably an English or a math teacher uh, sitting there going, well, look, Matt, math and English doesn't change, so I'm good. So I'm just going to flip on to the next episode or a, a, a brand new podcast. Well, let, let me say this to you, and, and I happen you know, to, to teach math, and I also happen to uh, use math. Why? Because I'm human. <laughs> Sorry, um, I've got a little chest cold and that made me laugh. Um, I know you're not supposed to laugh at your own funnies, but I did in that case. But uh, I, being a human, uh, I, you know, we use math. So my point is, is that even though math and English may not change, so to speak, the application, the technologies using it and how we use it uh, is changing every day. So math and English, uh, if your classroom looks like it did in you know the 1980s, then it's time to update. It's time to update. It's time to do a little bit of renovating. One assignment, one unit, one classroom at a time. You are not immune. You have to update. And so I want to conclude also this episode by talking about the importance of measuring content success. All right, I want to talk about this too. Because if you think about what I've talked about, you know, I've, I've said that content matters. I've made the case for you and why it should at least be equal to the quote-unquote ability to teach. So equal to the ability to building resources and mastery of the pedagogies. And then I talked about how you need to stay current. And that is building a plan, uh, if you're not a content professional, uh, to become a content professional. And so building a plan of, uh, of, of action for re- fulfilled with resources and, and, and time benchmarks or whatever works for you. So I want to conclude again by talking about um, the importance of measuring your success. So you can say that you're a content professional. And even though you are making strides to uh, get to that that you know that ideal content mark, wherever that needle is, um, but how do you actually measure that and 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 the effectiveness of your kids uh, with content? And let me first and foremost say this: um, you know, it, it's tough to know when you're doing a great job. It, it, it really is in a lot of ways. Because, again, if, if you believe in the idea that education is a process and that it's messy, there's going to be ups and downs. And it's not always easy to, to, to know that you're effective and your kids are learning the material. But that doesn't mean we don't have certain ways to kind of evaluate success. Uh, again, you know, I, I, I just want to point out you know, how messy that is. One of my best students I've ever taught 
was a C student in my class, and uh, he was brilliant. He always, always, always uh, comes back and thanks me and reminds me of the time I threw him out of the classroom. Um, just to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> I did throw him out. He was uh, he was a uh, little bit. Uh, um, let's just say he made a bad decision one day, and anyway, I threw him out of the classroom. And uh, anyway, so and we laugh about that now, ten years ago. And he he he's outstandingly intelligent. But anyway, he's always like, Mr. Ritchie, I really loved your class, and that, and that that kid never, never did the things that you needed to do needed needed him to do uh, in order to score at the top of any assessment but I knew he was smart you know he was one of those classic underperformers because he just didn't dig in and do the things that you need him to do but I knew he understood the information uh, he would make high scores on my test but then he would bomb um, the formative assessments along the way because he would just listen and soak in what I was explaining and then soak in the activities that I would assign uh, and, and he would pick up the information that way and uh, you know if he just did some of the other things right uh, he would have been at the absolute top but anyway I digress he he I knew he was successful um, and 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 you know like well how, how did you know he was going to be successful and and the truth is um, you know if your tests, and all the assessments that you give and all the assignments that you give uh, are, are written well and actually measure what they're designed to measure, then you'll have some idea, though, again, something sometimes you won't know um, other than that gut feeling that we teachers have. But it is important to make every effort to try to measure success. And you've got to do that in the classroom and outside the classroom. Well, what do you mean? Well, inside the classroom, you need to use your metrics. You know, again, your assessments that you provide need to make sure that they're actually assessing what you're intending on to assess. You know, look at the skills, the essential knowledge skills and, and content that you want them to learn and make sure your assessments reflect those things. And then certainly the expertise that does come along with great teaching, uh, and and that is mastery of the pedagogies and the instructional that quote unquote teaching ability. You've got to be able to do those things, and and so we bring that skill and write really good assessments. You design good activities uh, and and lessons. That's essentially what we're talking about. So you've got to do all of those things, and then have your grades. And the feedback that you provide actually reflect authentic learning, meaning they, they, they should reflect the mastery that a student is actually achieving uh, on a particular lesson. And, and then you've got to look at things like your standardized scores, your um, AP scores, and all the other metrics. And again, I, yeah, I know that standardized scores come with all kinds of variables and, you know, are they discriminatory against this socioeconomic class or geographically or whatever absolutely but again we're talking about providing insight we're not just saying that well I'm a failure because my kids didn't all pass the AP exam that's not what I'm talking about I'm saying we're just building a, a picture of of what success looks like so how are they performing and again I go back to believing and I'll talk more about this in a later episode but the, the local grades that I'm giving if, if I believe in how I'm assessing, then I'm getting the best kind of glimpse into uh, a child's success um, based on my own assessments, right, that I've developed. I also know that child. I have better insight than a standardized test, what's going on in that child's life. And so I'm in a great position to be able to measure that on those assessments. So it's all of these internal metrics 
that will begin to build a picture. And what I'm arguing for you is that the more content proficient uh, that you become, the better your kids will do on those metrics. Look, I mean, I, you just don't find you know just a whole bunch of scenarios where a teacher who is not content proficient teaching say AP chemistry or teaching uh, AP computer science or whatever uh, where kids are successful because again if you don't know your content then it's going to be really 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 difficult uh, for the kids to find success I'm not saying again just because you know your content will kids be successful because again you need that teaching ability they go together but if a, if a teacher doesn't know content ability, it's certainly going to make your job so much harder. But remember, I said don't just measure success based on internal metrics. You also need to uh, look at success from an, an external perspective. And, and what I mean by that is you need to... You, you know, you need to expose your kids to to the real world, the actual community. Go on field trips, put them in academic competitions outside of school. You know, let them immerse themselves in an academic culture that uh, surrounds the content that uh, you're teaching. So it's it's not just internal metrics. It's not just external metrics. It's both. And metrics, folks, they matter. Knowledge matters. Content matters. Skills matter and so that starts with the teacher so again you've got to become that link you do you have to take the reins and and be a content professional and then using that quote-unquote teaching ability bridge the gap so that students are not left drowning uh, learning nothing that's of real value uh, accurate or not relevant to their world so that's our job and and so that's the story on this episode. Content matters. You absolutely better believe it. You absolutely have to realize that where your passion is and where you want to go, really at the heart of that is your center, or at the center of that is, is, is your ability to connect these content pieces to your kids. So, so know that content matters. You won't regret it. Well, look, that is it for today's episode. I appreciate your time. As always, um, remember to like, comment, and subscribe or buy the books on Amazon.com. I hope to see, uh, see and hear from you uh, next week for episode number 12, Like Being Liked. And until then, I will see you down the road.